Hello and welcome to the Encouraging Angels podcast with Stan Szymanski. I'm your host, Stan Szymanski. Today is Tuesday, February 6, 2023. I have a great show for you today. Neither Encouraging Angels nor Stan Szymanski nor anyone affiliated with Encouraging Angels is offering any type of advice on this program. We do not offer legal advice. We do not offer medical advice. We do not offer financial advice. We do not offer personal advice of any kind. Please consult a professional in the area of your need or interest. And everything presented on this show is for informational purposes only. Well, Tucker Carlson interviewed Vladimir Putin. That's a first, folks. Tim Tebow and the Tim Tebow Foundation uh, are set to have the um, the prom celebrating approximately 100,000 folks with uh, special needs and disabilities across the country. And disabled folks, even though they receive SSI, literally can't afford housing anywhere in the United States of America. Uh, first, I wanted to touch base, you know, on the Tucker Carlson interview. I find this amazing because um, the left, and again, you know, we're not a political show, but the left has, here, Tucker Carlson is a journalist is an investigative journalist. And whether he goes to Russia or China or India or Israel or anywhere else, uh, what does that matter to the politics that be? It really shouldn't. However, it's ruining their Russian narrative. As I've explained numerous times on this show, you know, the whole war in the Ukraine was started by the United States when in 2014, Victoria Newland headed up the effort to overthrow the duly elected government of the Ukraine. They put in the puppet government during the next year. They activated the Ukraine military, sent the Ukraine military to the eastern side of the country where all the Russian speakers are at, which butts up against Russia, and cleansed 15,000 people. I've done an article on that. You can find it on encouragingangels.org. The Russians stepped in, you know, to, to halt that and to fight for the rights of the Russian-speaking people in the Ukraine. In 2015, they had the Minsk Agreement, where Germany, France, Ukraine, and Russia sat down and decided to give rights, you know, voting rights to all the Russian-speaking folks in the Russian-speaking areas of the Ukraine, and to have, uh, uh, you know, eastern Ukraine not shut off their water or attack them uh, or make it hard to get food, etc., etc. Well, that really didn't stop. In 2022, former Chancellor Angela Merkel of Germany said that the Minsk Agreement, 
was nothing more than a ploy to buy time to allow the West to build a war machine against Russia. Folks, understand what's going on. You need to understand what's going on and who you think the people are running America. That's really uh, interesting. When you read, I don't have this up. Maybe I'll put it up on the website, but you'll be able to find either the interview of Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin, or you'll be able to find uh, the transcript. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of it, and we claim fair use for this. Uh, Tucker said, what would you tell the people running America? Putin, our message is Russia is not your enemy. We don't want war. We're ready for peace. Your leaders seek conflict. This is not what we want. Russia stands for its own people. We do not want what is not ours. He, Tucker says, would you visit Washington? Putin says, yes, of course. I've been to the United States before. I enjoy visiting and have met with every president except Joe Biden. If invited, I would go. Tucker says, what is your opinion of President Biden? Putin said, we're convinced he is not running the country. Let's say we have good sources that confirm that, but it's plain for anyone to see for themselves. The U.S. has now entered into a dark period. It has unaccountable leadership. In other words, Biden is just a puppet. The people running it are behind the curtain, and they're not accountable to anyone. In other words, you're not going to vote them out. Uh, <laughs> Tucker said, one poll in America shows you're more popular than Biden. Uh, and Putin says, I don't know if that should be taken seriously, but Russian ideals have support. We believe in traditional values. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Men are men and women are women. Uh, I'm, I'm just uh, scrolling down to uh, get, and he says that, uh, that they don't hate Mr. Zelensky. They say that he actually respects Russia, which, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's part of a psyop. He said, do you see, Tucker says, do you see the United States as an enemy? Putin says, no, categorically no. We were allies in World War II. Russians helped settle Alaska, California, and we were in Hawaii too. Our people are not enemies, but those in D.C. are certainly not our friends. And Tucker asked him to name names, and Putin said that would be pointless. Um, you know, Putin said, for instance, like the BRICS would exist anyway. It's a natural reaction to Western, the Western trading bloc. It's a counterweight. When the dollar is weaponized against states, there will be a natural alternative to it. That's what we want. Um, they talk a little more about the dollar. I've done that quite a bit on this show. Uh, <laughs> Putin says, in the United States, um, the elites have deserted you. Uh, and Tucker says, so who do you think is running the U.S. then? 
Putin says the forces which have always ran it. You may change presidents, but you do not change those in real power. That is who we have to deal with. Joe Biden is just a facade of this power structure. And uh, he goes on. They talk about Elon Musk a bit. Um, They talk about when Trump was elected, it was a refreshing break from the insults and slurs. Going back a few generations of politicians. Um, And I just want to... They talk about Israel and Gaza... Um, that they just want to be even-handed with their, you know, uh, politics. Um, that, you know, Israel is, you know, is just unilaterally overwhelming uh, Gaza. And those are my words, not his. And, you know, they just want to recognize Gaza's right to exist, basically. Uh, when they talk about transgender, etc. Tucker said that, hey, uh, what do you think of American football? He says it's an interesting sport, but why do you call it football when the ball is almost always played with hands? It seems to be needlessly violent at times. Tucker said that's true. Will you be watching? And Putin said the game will not be shown in Russia. And Tucker says, so you won't get to see Taylor Swift either then. And Putin says, no, we have been given a reprieve. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end that. Um, Thank God that they don't have to watch that, you know, part of football. I love football. I love the Steelers. Uh, God, thank God that she loves somebody on the Chiefs and not the Steelers, as far as I'm concerned. But that's a big interview. Um, this country is heading the wrong way. You know, one of the big important things, I didn't read it, I'll leave it for you to read, is he talked about the border. He said, he basically said, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, that it's just totally irresponsible for a country to have open borders. You know, just totally irresponsible. And so what does America have? Of course, open borders, you know, terribly open borders. It's worse and worse every day. And these thing, and these folks who come in, and I'm not disparaging them as far as if they want to come to America. You know, my family, for instance, the Polish side of my family, wanted to come to America. In 1907, they got on a boat, and they came to America, and they went through Ellis Island. I have seen the, uh, uh, the manifests, you know, where they came into Ellis Island. And it talked about where they their names, where they were from. Today, there's no Ellis Island. How are you supposed to know anything about the people coming into this country? I mean, the, the border, you, you know, this the security people know that they have let terrorists into the country. They know that. And the work that's being done. Um, I, I watched something by A.J. Fernandez of InfoWars last night where he went and, and visited a, uh, uh, an enclave of, quote, immigrants, unquote, and there was no women, no children, all military-age men. Like, excuse me, how does this add up? It's a big problem getting bigger. Um. So I'm going to leave that there. Let's go to Tim Tebow. Now, uh, 
Where's my information on Timmy? I got it here somewhere. Um, anyway, um, Mr. Tebow, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and the Tim Tebow Foundation, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, uh, are going to be hosting, or actually, they provide the funding. This is my understanding. Um, four churches to have the, um, the prom night. Um, and it allows folks, you know, who are disabled and special needs to have, uh, an experience that's like a prom and, you know, they pull up in a limo and they get their pictures taken and they get to dance, you know, all night and have a, a catered meal. Uh, I cannot fault anyone for doing that. I do fault churches for not having a disability ministry for not having any kind of outreach because when you examine the um, the day planner of Jesus Christ, for instance, in the book of Luke, there's 24 chapters. In nine of those chapters, he's with one, two, or a whole town of sick and disabled people or demon-possessed uh, people. And um, you don't see the church spending their time like that. I mean, not even close. Not even close. Not even close close. And when there is anyone who takes up the mantle of disability ministry because it affects their lives and they want to help other people, the church shuts it down. I've seen it repeatedly. I mean, there's one case. I mean, it's it, the, the, you know, one branch. This is a church with multiple locations. Okay. Which is, you know, which is a conglomerate. It's not really a church because how can a, you know, Yes, they do have different pastors. Uh, that's a whole other discussion about actually shepherding the flock. Uh, but they, there, there was in, in a, a big church here in Pittsburgh, you know, there was a, um, a family who had a, uh, an affected child. They had done incredible preparation and work to have a disability ministry in that church. Incredible. And like I always say, if there's no support from the platform, in other words, if the pastor isn't getting up and crowing about it on Sunday, it's going to die. And it died. It died on the vine. You know, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You need to abide in me. Because if you wither and die, you're, you know, and break off, you're good for nothing except to be bundled up and burned. Well, that's what these churches do to disability ministries in reality. This is all nice because it's like the world, you know, when you have these prom nights. Everybody's happy. Everybody's fed. Everybody gets to get their picture taken. Everybody gets to dance. In reality, you know, in, in the other 364 days of the year, it can be just H-E double toothpicks for everyone who deals with disability, who's been abandoned by their spouse, by their family, by their church. That's why I have such a problem with the church because they don't, you know, they're, they're not doing it to assimilate. I'm not saying nobody who comes to a prom night doesn't come to church later, but it's small in, in my understanding. I hope I'm wrong about that.
But a lot of churches I wouldn't go to anyway because of their theology um, and their name and claim it. And I've spoken on that. You can go to the front page of encouragingages.org to see a message I gave in a church about uh, how bad the prosperity gospel is for disability, especially disability in the church. So my praise goes out to Tim Tebow and the Tim Tebow Foundation. And uh, I continue, I, I hate to say it, my scorn for the church to say, you need to be like Jesus. And somebody has to say it. Now, I'm, I'm an imperfect, cracked pot saying this. But I can tell you that I have lived disability ministry, you know, professionally and personally. I did eight and a half years along with my wife of ICU level care for our own daughter with no help, just us. And somehow we, we took turns making a living and making everything work. And 15 years of, of delivering music services to the disabled. So, you know, I say it from a, a standpoint of experience and trying to bring this message to churches. They want the world. They want the world. They want to be famous. They want their picture taken. They want to sit down and have somebody cater a meal for them, which is what happens on these nights. That, you know, for, for the disabled, yes, yes, yes. For the church, the church needs to receive some type of humility. My God, think about the humility of Jesus Christ to condescend himself to, first of all, just to come to this earth to save us, but then to go into these towns and be with and heal these people. He spent over a third of his time doing it as far as his ministry goes. Why don't the seminaries of today take their students by the hands and take them to the institutions, take them out into urban areas where there's a lot of disabled folks, and yet they won't do it because they want the famous football player. They want the Successful businessmen. They want the retiree who has done well. They want the well and the well-healed. And so I use this as an opportunity to admonish the church. To say that life itself is not a prom night. Life, you know, that's something you do in high school. It's time for the church to stop drinking milk and eating meat to be grown up. Finally, I want to switch to this story, which I do have up on the website. Time for a coffee. SSI recipients can't afford housing anywhere. In the United States. And this is on Disability Scoop by Michelle Diamond. And it's uh, from February 5th, 2024. Let's read some of this. I claim fair use for the use of this. 
Supplemental Security Income Beneficiaries receive too little each month to reasonably afford apartment rent in any housing market across the nation, a new report shows. Nationally, the average rent for a basic studio or one-bedroom apartment exceeds the average SSI payment of $983 per month. Even in the cheapest rental market in the country, Dallas County, Missouri, rent for either a one-bedroom or efficiency would require 64% of a person's monthly SSI payment. The findings are outlined in a new report called Priced Out that's regularly updated by the Technical Assistance Collaborative, a nonprofit focused on housing issues among people with disabilities and the Consortium for Constituents with Disabilities, a coalition of disability advocacy organizations. With the latest data from several federal sources compiled at the end of 2023, it is unfortunately clear that yet again, the 4.1 million people with disabilities aged 18 to 64 who receive SSI cannot afford an apartment in any housing market in the United States without additional support. Now it goes on, I'm going to Leave the rest of that for you to go to our website and check out. Folks, I have had people say to me in the churches, Oh, aren't there programs for those people? You know, there's a movie out right now. I just canceled Netflix because I got it just for the uh, uh, the opportunity to watch the the Obama produced movie of of Leave the World Behind. But we kept it for a month or so, and I watched some other movies. And there's a movie starring Eddie Murphy and uh, Jonah. Oh heck, what's his name? He's a comedian. But anyway, um, and a lot of other folks that are really funny called You People. Now, you don't want to say you people, you know, because uh, it has certain connotations. And yet the movie's called You People. When folks say, and, I, and it, it is, I mean, yeah, it's a little um, uh, uh, risque at times, but it's a pretty good movie. Um, when the people in the church say to me when I talk to them about, you know, disability ministry, about assimilating disabled folks, about doing outreaches just through those who are already members of the church of whom they know that are disabled. They have said repeatedly to me, aren't there programs for those people? In other words, saying you people. Thank God that Jesus Christ did not say about you when it comes to your salvation and your ultimate eternal needs. Aren't there programs 
for those people? Aren't there programs for you people? You, the unwashed, the unsaved, the people that want all of the world that they can get. Aren't there programs for you people? Yeah, the devil has a program for you. That's why Jesus came to save you. This is why you need to exhibit that type of care, concern, and grace towards the disabled. You do not have to be a federal program if you are in a church. You do not have to give them money, although, you know, you can see that most of the time that they severely need it. And that would be a good part of your ministry to pick up a family or two, don't you think, if you're in a church? They sit there and they, they, they give to, you know, some missionary 5,000 miles away. That's great. Make sure you're doing something close to home, too. And the disabled are a really good place to start. This story just resounds with the, the constant, you know, truth of the disabled. And again, I, you know, I, I, I dovetail this into the Tebow story, right? That the, it, it, this, is, this clashes juxtaposed against the Tebow story about that one night they, they will have a prom dress on, you know, and... A, a catered meal and be able to dance and have their picture taken. And the next day, you know, it's back to squalor. The world, otherwise known as the church, 90% of the time, is all about the Cinderella part of that story. They, all, they want all of the Ella and none of the Cinder. Because Cinderella used to clean the fireplaces. That's why she's called Cinderella. The disabled go back to the soot the next day, you know, in relative terms. They have to deal that at least one spouse, if not both, have left them. You know, their mom and dad left them. Mom or mom or dad left them. That there's not enough money to go around in the house. That there really isn't a church who cares enough about them to assimilate them into their body of believers. And that there's no real support for true disability ministry which for the most part is being, you know, long-term, having a relationship with them. There's no real stomach for that in the church. Because all those people, the well and the well-healed, you know, they lived in the right neighborhood when they were growing up. Then they went to the right school uh, and they got the right degree so they could get a good job to live in the right house on their own and, and marry, uh, you know, someone of significant social status and then work their life 
save their money so they could have enough money to retire in a neighborhood that they wouldn't have to see these type of people, the disabled. And yet, and so to bring the disabled into the church, the church vehemently rebels against that. That's why it's so hard to get a disability ministry into a church. These are old numbers, but, you know, Johnny Erickson taught is really the, the most successful disability ministry. And she uh, had a foothold, you know, in some way in about, uh, I, I don't know, a couple thousand churches, I think. And it's, that's less than, than 1%. I th- I'm sorry, in 300 churches was the number. Excuse me, that number is way too high. In 300 churches, she had a foothold. And that number represents less, like less than one-tenth of one percent of all of the churches. Sorry about that first number. Because I remember that was um, one-tenth of one percent, and I was going off of, of memory. Uh, so, folks, you know, I do have a clue about what I'm talking about here, especially when I'm you know, give some criticism to the church for doing something, you know, for the disabled. But what are they really doing and why are they doing it? It's because they have to make it so palatable to, you know, a Babylonian church. It's nice to do nice things for folks. I mean, but my, you know, like, 15 years of music ministry, I I called it combat rock because I would go right into um, the school situation, which is really a mix of school and hospital. And, you know, it was right where they lived. You know, a lot of really affected folks. And when we... So those times of ministry, which is most of what I did... Uh, were really the most meaningful. But we certainly did do some bigger things like once, like ministry once a month, like doing praise and worship once a month uh, for those uh, folks. And uh, Christmas and Easter, those are great. Um, but it's really the day-to-day thing. That's what the church misses out on. Um, thank God that Jesus had ministry to the disabled and we should be choosing to be more like Jesus when he said abide in me I am the vine and you are the branches apart from me you can do nothing so to abide like you know in Jesus is to to be like him is to read and follow and obey his word and command And having a relationship with the disabled and the special needs folks, that's one of the closest things to being like Jesus, in my humble opinion. Folks, I'm working on a, uh, uh, Jack Lawson and I are working on uh, a new article where I ask the questions and Jack answers them because he's the military guy and I'm not. And we're going to be talking a lot about uh, wargaming the apocalypse in America. And I hope you look forward to that. Please go to www. Uh, 
civildefensemanual.com and check out what Jack has done with his incredible work because in my humble opinion, you are going to need it. Look at that information and see if you have anything else in your library that even comes close to it. I don't think you do. Number two, please consider supporting Encouraging Angels www.encouragingangels.org Go to the Donate tab and you can give with your card through our Cornerstone link or send something directly to our P.O. Box. I'm Stan Szymanski. This is the Encouraging Angels podcast and I look forward to seeing you right here next time.